Oh, have you ever had a teacher like that? Get right after you. <laughs> I saw that picture. I love that. So, who, me? Well, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. I don't know anything about it. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 1? John chapter 1. In this story, in the first part of it, there's a preamble that John does, and then he goes right into the story of the baptism of Jesus, and he talks about how Jesus asked his followers, his disciples, to follow him. Right after the baptism, we have the preamble, then we have the baptism by John, as Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. It came down as a dove, and he began his ministry, left his carpenter shop, and went. So let's pick up the story in John 1, and I'd like for you to look at verse 35. Would you look at that? So the, after the baptism, the very next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples, two of his followers. It was not uncommon for them to have a follower, a helper along. And so he had two of his disciples there, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when two of his disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? Natural question. What do you want? Why are you following me? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, this is significant because when they addressed him as rabbi, that was significant in the Jewish economy. Now, when I say the Jewish economy, I'm not talking about the, the bottom line of their... I'm talking about their system and their society and their educational system. And if you, you went through elementary school, you went through high school, elementary school, you learned to memorize the first five books of the Bible through high school area. You learned to memorize all of the Old Testament. And if you were a very good student, if you were a person of promise, you got invited to go on to be a disciple of a rabbi. And if you got invited to be one of the top rabbis like Gamil, that was an honor. If you did not cut it, if you did not have the intellect, if you could not make it, then you went out to be fishermen and do other tasks like that, and you did not get up into the higher echelons of society. So when they called him rabbi, they were saying and identifying Jesus as a teacher who would have followers, disciples. And so as they came along, there was more loaded to that than we would originally guess. And so as they came along, they addressed him and said, hi, they called him rabbi. And he said, well, come and you will see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. And it was about the fourth hour of the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So we know that Andrew was going with him. He had been there at the baptism. He had been there the next day. He was a disciple of John. So he was following the next thing he did. Is Andrew's, the next thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, which translated Christ, Christos, meaning the anointed one. Christos and Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word. 
Christos, or Christ is the Greek word, but they mean the same thing, the anointed one. We have found the anointed one that we have been looking for all through the ages, and we have found him who was baptized by John, and I know where he is. Come and see for yourself. And the Bible says, and he brought him to Jesus. Is that not the mission of the church? To bring people to Jesus. That's the mission. So Jesus looked at him, looked at Simon, and he said to him, Simon, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, that's in the uh, Hebrew, which when it's translated is Peter or Petros. If you're going with me to go to the Middle East and next, here's an ad. If you're going to go with me, we're going to go to Petra. Not Petros. Petros is the male. Petra is the female way of saying rock. So he says, I'm going to call you the rock. And boy, we can have a lot of fun discussing that. Today we will not. We will move on with verse 43. And he said, in the next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee and find Philip. And he said to him, follow me. And Philip said, who, me? You want me to follow you? And Jesus said, well, of course, yes, you. You see, it was such an honor to be called by a rabbi, to be asked to come, because you had to be chosen by the rabbi. You had to be. So these men, who didn't have a chance to ever be with a rabbi, to never be enter that upper echelon of society, they were being called by Jesus, this new rabbi who was coming out, this great teacher was healed. They were being called to go with him. And their response was, well, of course, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And it would be. And so they became Jesus' disciples. They left John and became Jesus' disciples. A couple of them did. Most of them were not. Now, let's be fair this morning. <laughs> they were totally clueless what that meant. We know hindsight. We can look back and say, oh, I got that figure. But at the time, they were totally clueless. Had no idea what they were getting into. They thought, oh, this would be, ah, what a great experience to go around. It'd be fun. Be better than fishing. Raise myself up. Hire society. Here we go. Be with a rabbi. Yes, I'm with him. Type of thing. All right. So keep that thought. And now we're going to go on to John 6. We're just going to keep going on to John 6. Now, John, in John 6, Jesus was talking. And he was sharing and preaching. And he was sharing with the people, and he said something to them. And he said to them that you should eat my flesh and drink my blood. And to the Jews, who were kind of testing and looking at him, they kind of looked at him and said, well, you know, ooh, you know, we're not cannibals. We don't eat people's flesh, and we don't drink their blood. I find that repulsive. Well, that statement that they have really wasn't that. But there was a lot of conflict. And so, verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept that kind of hard teaching? And aware of this, and that his disciples, now I'm talking about a larger group, not just the twelve. And his disciples, those followers, were grumbling about this. Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Well, of course it offends us. We're offended. We don't like that idea. 
And I could just hear the talk. As they're going around like that. 62. And then, what if I see the, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What about that? Will that offend you? No, they weren't sure. So the Spirit, he said, gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet some of you, Jesus said, there are some of you who did not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Ooh. He knew at the beginning of the followers that would come after him, would betray him. Verse 65, and then he went on to say, This is why I told you no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. You're coming to the Father, coming to meet Jesus. The Father has prepared the way for you to come. Now I'd like you to notice verse 66 very carefully. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They got, they got caught in thinking about what does it mean to follow Jesus. And as they got caught in that, as they went with that, it was something they could not do. See, the cost of discipleship Jesus was laying out to them. And it was tough for them. Now, if you'd been there that day, there was a lot of tension and thinking and stress in that group. As was going on in that group, as Jesus was talking, because now they're weighing, is this, what, are we getting into something we don't know what we're getting into? Is, is this going to be good or bad? And what in the world is he talking about? We'll come back to eat his flesh and drink his blood in a minute. But the, this kind of controversy... I thought this was going to be a, a fun experience. And Jesus was asking for something far more. The cost of discipleship was high. And maybe too high. And so some not going any farther. And that was it. Not a successful evangelistic campaign, you might say. And so many chose to leave. And then Jesus turned to his disciples. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. He would never have asked that question if he didn't know they had been thinking it. The twelve. The ones who said, oh yeah, I'll follow you. This is a great opportunity. I'm going to go. And now a little later on when Jesus talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, about the cost of discipleship, they're thinking, is it too much to ask? Is it too much? And Simon Peter answered and he sensed and said to them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come 
to believe that and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Had they accepted the cost? Had they accepted the cost? So, from the eagerness that they had at the beginning of this is a golden opportunity, what a wonderful thing, I'm going to, this is a chance of a lifetime, which it was, to now they're in a group where they're seeing people slipping away, leaving, people who had been eager to follow now leaving. And they're weighing in their own minds, is it worth the cost? Let's be real. They still were rather clueless of what was going to happen. Still rather clueless. So they spent three years with Jesus. They walked with him for three years. They were traveling with him. And through their journey, it eventually led to the events of the cross. The cost of discipleship, of following Jesus, led them to the cross. Where they all said, well, Peter denied the Lord. What did they experience? Judas hung himself. They were in that upper room. They saw Jesus captured. They saw him tortured. They saw him nailed to the cross. They saw him die. And then three days later, they heard about the resurrection. And they all went around, and then Jesus appeared to them. And started happening, and then on the 50th day, Pentecost came. And their lives were forever changed. And the Holy Spirit rolled out on them. And as they stood up boldly before the and they said, And these men have been with Jesus. They recognized that. Because finally, they understood what it meant to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It wasn't to be a cannibal. It wasn't to actually eat his flesh. It was to participate with Christ in his mission. To sacrifice what they needed. And many of them sacrificed their lives because they knew that that's what Jesus was asking. They well knew the cost of discipleship. And why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why was it worth it to them to give up their lives? Because they loved Jesus. See? Because they love Jesus. Cost of discipleship. That's it. Just as Peter was asked by Jesus on that shoreline after the resurrection, he said, Peter, do you love me? That's the test to every one of us. Do you love me? And the reason they would be able to give service, the reason that they went, was simply because they loved him. That's what took them to their deaths. That's what took them on their missionary journeys. That's what took them around. That's what took them before the center. That took them before the beatings. The reason they were able to take that cost is because they knew that Jesus loved them and they loved him for what he had done for them. So the cost of discipleship for them was well worth it. Well worth it. So what about today? What about today? I've been thinking about how that rolls today. You see, the cost of discipleship, probably following Christ, you probably are not going to be beheaded like some people have been recently over 
in the Middle East. You've been jailed. Your chances of getting jailed because you love Christ here are slim to none, really. You may have some conflict with your job or anything, but but nobody's really hassling you, are they? Not like other parts of the world. So it might be easy for me to say, yeah, you know, I I can kind of coast along here. I can kind of, you know, sure, sure. Well, the Lord has always been looking for people. He could have left the work to angels. Ordered them what to do, left the work. But he didn't. He left his mission to his followers. Those who would know what it's like to be redeemed. You see, angels don't really know the feeling of being truly saved from their sins. They don't understand that. They see it, they witness it from the outside, but they don't experience it. Because they have not been sinners and not been saved by grace like we are. Saved by grace. So long ago, God has been looking for them, and he went to Isaiah, and he wrote, and Isaiah tells in Isaiah 6, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And what was Isaiah's response? Isaiah's response was, Here am I, send me. Who will go for us? Here I am, Isaiah said, send me. That willing to be a follower, a discipler, a worker, a helper. You see, that's the reason we had the ministry fair. Was to give you an opportunity to open the doors. We didn't leave it up to the nominating committee hoping to find people. What we left it up to the ministry fair was to give you an opportunity to respond and to find your way and to pick up your ministry and to make your way. And that's what's transpired. If you have not had an opportunity to do that, still the door of opportunity is open and you can still sign up. Dear Father, I thank you so very much. I thank you so much for your word and the example of the disciples and how the disciples led and shared with us what discipleship meant. And they were willing to do anything to serve the Lord because they knew that he loved them and they loved him. We love you, Lord. And we want to be our response to you, to be able to serve, to learn, to be taught from you. Bless us as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.